0: that would be willing to help. You might be willing to stay after or come before a service and, and uh, help us get the building in shape. And we would very much appreciate that. You could let myself know. Uh, praise God. Uh, or let someone know. Put it down on, a, on a card. You know, Communicate. You know who we are and what, who the staff is. And, and let us know. We'd be very appreciative of that. Uh, every day we're also getting closer to Uh, the Miracle Crusade with Pastor Nancy and her family and much of her staff. And uh, they're doing things uh, different, and we're excited about it. Praise God how God has led them. But they're asking that everyone, even the host church, that's planning to come to any of the services to register for the meetings. And so if you have not done that, I'm asking you to do that. That's actually going to help me in a lot of ways, especially... If you're able to come to some of the morning services, uh, that would really help me because I may use you in some capacity in the helps ministry uh, because not everyone can come because of work, and we understand that. So, but um, if you would go to defrainministries.org uh, sometime tonight or tomorrow... And it's got an option, I understand, for you to not only put your name, your family, but to click on each service that you know you're going to be able to get to attend. And that's going to help them, but it's also going to help us a great, great deal. And so don't forget what a wonderful opportunity this is going to be. Uh, We've got people coming from uh, multiple states to be a a part of this meeting. And uh, we know that the home church is, is to get the best, right? So you're not going to miss it as much as your life and your schedule, and the favor of God will create some things for you, I believe. Uh, amen. We're going to have a great meeting with the Defrains. Uh Stephen, Grant, Morgan, none of them have ever been here before, so uh, you'll enjoy receiving from them, uh, I know. Praise God. So 2 Corinthians, is that right? You know, it was three or four Wednesdays ago now, the Lord interrupted me and kind of changed my direction and said... You know, at the time, the coronavirus wasn't a thing. But remember how, how starkly he arrested me and said, get up tonight and start a series on the subject of faith. Well, God knows the future. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's always just such a joy to get in on what the Father knows. He doesn't tell you everything up front, but... Eventually, like we have, circumstances, you catch up to Him, you say, oh God, you're so good. You're always ahead of the game. And so what a joy it is for us to continue to talk and to teach and to minister on the subject of faith. Already heard some wonderful testimonies from people who have been helped. Been here a long time, but something somehow that we're saying a little bit different is really helping people. And we're excited about it. Amen. So in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, yeah, Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7, notice what Paul said, For we walk, how? Now, does that say we walk by fear? Does it say we walk by the news? Does it say we walk according to what the world's doing? No, it says, for we walk by faith. Not by what? Not by sight. Y'all going to help me preach this tonight? Okay. Glory to God. We are to live our lives by faith. We are not, according to this verse, to live our lives by what we see, right? And that's going to include things like what we feel, what the natural circumstances are. And I know that that's, that's not the way we've been trained typically in the natural, in the world we live in. We've been trained to be pros and cons people. We've been trained extensively to be thinkers and reasoners and planners and all of this. But you've got to unlearn all of that. There's a place for reasoning, right? But you can't process the Word of God in your brain. And you certainly cannot conduct the faith of God through your brain and through your mind. You know this you cannot believe God with your mind. You cannot. And that's where a lot of Christians miss it. You know, you can see smoke coming out their ears because their gray matter and their white matter is overheated because they're trying to conduct faith through their brain. And God's not going to fit into your brain. Y'all know that, right? Hallelujah. No, real faith is a spiritual force that flows from the spirit. Well, we say from the heart. Amen. So we conduct our lives from here. I live my life from here. I didn't always, and I'm not perfect at it today. But I'm, I've learned a lot. And I'm living my life out of here. Right? So when the Lord told me, give that, give that preacher a thousand dollars, my mind wanted to chime in and vote on that. Well, what about that? Well, what about that? Right? But I'm, I've learned. No, I'm going to go by what's in here. And so I walked around for about twenty-four hours. I kept checking it; kept coming up in here, and I knew that if I went back to America with that thousand dollars in here, it's not up here. Be happy down here. I'm going to be grieved. This is how you're led by the Spirit. It's not just hearing words down in here. It's can you live peaceful? Can you live settled? Going that way, having made that decision. Or if you try to go that way, it's hmm. Well, that's, that's the red light from, from the Holy Ghost. But that warm, buttermilk, peaceful, yeah, while your mind is screaming. Down on the inside of you is God saying, yes, do that. Go that way. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, so praise God. Hallelujah. So we're walking by faith we're not walking by sight. We've talked about that quite a bit and some wonderful things have come out. I hope you got that. Go with me now to 2nd Peter chapter 1 and we want to get into some further depth about the faith life tonight if we can. And uh, we want to be skillful with this life of faith. Right? How do you get skillful at anything? Practice. Right? Practice. You know, even Michael Jordan was a gym rat. He didn't just get to be that good with no practice. He had to to hone his skills. He had to to continue to do it all the time so that he could operate at peak performance. Well, the same thing is true with spiritual things. You're not growing. You're not developing. You're not becoming more skillful in any spiritual aspect of life if you're not thinking about that, practicing it, it, putting it into action the best you can and doing that on a regular basis. I mean, I don't know how much of the day that you get to spend time or uh, you know, just thinking about things, but I think about my faith every day. I feed my faith every day. I release my faith every day. I'm doing something with my faith every day. I don't just bring my faith to church with me on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So let's read these verses here again. Uh, We were here uh, a couple of services ago. Simon Peter, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them, notice this, that have obtained like precious faith. You see, your faith is precious. Your faith is precious. and You need to treat it as precious. You know what you count as precious, you know where your precious things are. You guard them, isn't that right? Uh, You do only right things with them. You protect what you count as precious, isn't that right? So your faith, whether you know it or not, is precious, and so you ought to treat it that way. You ought to guard it. You ought to protect it. You ought to do right things with it. You ought to not. You'd be interested. You should be. What what hurts faith? What, what would hinder my faith? And there's all kinds of things in the Bible that talk about that. Amen? Well, you, if you want, to be, you want your faith to work in times like this. How many of you want your faith for healing to work? Well, yeah, I do too. Well, then we want to make sure that we're not doing the things that sabotage our faith, uh, unplug the power of our faith, hinder our faith. One of those is being bitter. Being offended. Being offended being uh, unforgiving, not walking in love. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 5, I think, that uh, faith works by love. Right? That means your faith won't work without love. You can make those confessions all you want about Philippians 4, 19, but if you and your wife are fussing under the roof of your home, fussing and fighting in strife all the time, see, you're not walking in love, your faith won't work. Faith requires the love of God to be practiced and walked in for it to work. Amen. So just think about that. You know, you're just stomping on your faith, grinding it to pieces. Every time you want to fight, every time you want to get offended, every time you want to be gossipy, every time you want to get in an argument. Amen. And so like precious faith with us, Uh, Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has... Now, notice that's has given. This is something that's already been given to you. According as His divine power has already given to you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these... Now, the these is a reference to what? To the promises. By these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature. And I like this, especially in the light of what the world's hmm, reeling under. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the world system financially is falling apart. The governments of the world are inept and corrupt. The world is living under a curse. They're, they're, They're dealing with pandemics and contagious, infectious diseases. Hello? Jesus told us they were coming. But I want you to notice something, that in this passage of Scripture, two things are being emphasized. The promises of God and our precious faith. The promises of God and our precious faith. Notice two things in these four verses are called precious. Exceedingly great and precious. Promises. Okay, so the promises are precious. The faith is precious. So we want to talk about this tonight. Notice he said that the promises of God are what enable us to actually partake of God's divine nature. So the way you enter into the experience of God, and what do I mean by that? I don't just mean His presence, that's true too. But I mean, what kind of life is God living tonight? Is there anybody healthier than Him? Anybody stronger? Anybody more loving? Anybody more joyful? Anybody more peaceful? Anybody more protected? Anybody more prosperous? More provided for? No. So, notice the believer is invited, this is the whole plan of redemption, is that you and I, not just we would not just get a ticket that gets us to heaven instead of hell when we die, but that Jesus paid for something we call redemption. I'm going to introduce two words to you. Redemption and inheritance. These are New Testament biblical terms and what they are, what, are they, what they are referring to is the sum total of everything Jesus bought and purchased through His death, burial, and resurrection for His people, for those that come to Him. It includes the door to come to God. That's salvation. The forgiveness of our sins. But that's not the sum total of redemption. Healing is in our redemption. Peace is in our redemption. Being led by the Spirit, having the advantage, as my son was preaching about, about the Holy Ghost. That's part of our inheritance. In fact, the Bible says in multiple places in the New Testament that the Holy Ghost Himself is God's down payment, He calls it. King James uses the word earnest. If you've ever bought a house, you know what earnest money is. You've got to put some money down when you sign the contract to let the buyer know, the seller know that you're serious about it. Call it a down payment, if you will. Well, the earnest on the believer's inheritance is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> if the Holy Ghost, who is part of the Godhead, right, can only be described as the down payment on redemption, on the believer's inheritance, how big must it be? How expansive. Must it be? Amen. So much so that we find prayers in the New Testament, like Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul, under the unction of the Spirit, is praying for believers and he's saying, Oh, Father, give unto these Christians the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of You, that they might know what is the hope of their calling, number one. Number two, what is the riches of the glory of thine inheritance among the saints. What does that mean? He's saying, I know, Father, that we're going to have to have divine, supernatural help to even comprehend how vast, how great, how wonderful, how all-encompassing is our inheritance in Christ. Hallelujah. So, getting back to verse 4. Notice it says, by these exceedingly great and precious promises, you and I are able, we are made able to partake of whose nature? God's very own nature. The God kind of life. We enter into it. How? It has to do with these promises. Now I'm going to help you with understanding what it means to partake. So we were having lunch one afternoon, the four of us, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Hattaball, Pastor Owings, and myself. We have one of my favorite places. We walk out of the hotel, we go down to another hotel called the Marquis Reforma. Mm -mm -mm, My goodness. And they have a restaurant down there, and that's where we get to ribeye taco. Oh, Shazam. So we had to ribeye taco, we had to beef au jus, we're having a wonderful fellowship, and then they bring out the dessert tray. None of us thought we would get dessert until they brought the dessert tray. And I was being good. I had turned it down, but Dr. Jacobs said, You want to try that cheesecake with me? And I said, I will if you will. (laughs) And so we we got this cheesecake. Oh, they have their own pastry chef back in the back. I mean, I'm not even it was amazing. So, but they gave Dr. Jacobs ordered it. It's his cheesecake. Amen. He took some bites of it, and he was like in heaven la la land. (laughs) And so what he did was he he just pushed it around to me. And I took a spoon and I got me some and I put it in my mouth. Now, what's going down my tube, my, my throat, is the same thing that was I am partaking of what he had already partaken of. I am now getting to enjoy also the experience. Of the cheesecake. So God says, Everything that I am, the kind of life I live, right. you can partake of the life I'm living and the provision I'm walking in and everything that I've made available through these promises. Okay, so we got to advance. Okay, so you don't understand this about God. Everything, God's plan in working for humanity, this is how He does it every time. He, the first thing He had to do was pay for it. He had to purchase it. Well, the purchasing of our salvation, our forgiveness, our being sons and daughters of God, and then all that comes with that had to be paid for. But Jesus did that already. Right? He did that already. More than 2,000 years ago, according to our calendar, He became sin on the cross. He paid our debt of sin. And then He bore the penalty of it Himself. Amen. Thus purchasing our redemption. So He's already done that. And listen, every aspect of redemption from the jot to the tittle, Amen, is yours now. There may be things in it you don't even know are available. But they're yours They're yours legally now. And, okay, here we go. Everything that was bought, everything that was purchased, has been given to every human being in the form of a promise. Mm -hmm. That's how God does things. Mm -hmm. Right now, tonight, every person that's unsaved out there, hasn't the price for their redemption already been paid? hasn't their salvation already been given to them in the form of a promise? He, all, he promised, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. I don't care what they've done. If you'll believe upon the Son, right, you'll have eternal life. That's a promise. And it's already been, it's already been given. So the experiencing, the partaking of salvation... Are, are those people out there waiting for God to fulfill the promise? We know that, right? No, no, it's not on God's side. He has already given them their salvation in the form of a promise. And that's a precious promise. If you're a sinner, if you're lost and you're watching or listening to me, this is precious because God so loved the world that He already gave His Son. That whosoever would believe upon Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Maybe you never heard that before, but that's a promise from God and it's already happened. It's already been paid for. Does that mean because He promised that that person is going to be saved? Don't fall for false doctrine. No, they have to do something to unlock the promise and turn that promise into an experience. So the promise is precious, but what is it that unlocks the promise that makes it a personal experience? Their faith. That's what God's waiting on for them to be saved, right? This is why God says, go tell it. Preachers, go tell it. Believers, go tell it. What are we going to tell? We're telling two things. The price has already been paid. And God's promised. All He's waiting on is you to act on it. For you to mix faith in the promise. And the moment you mix faith in the promise, you partake. I mean, the the dirtiest, rottenest sinner tonight in Paducah. If he or she would just mix faith with the promise right in that moment, They would partake of the new birth. They'd be born again. They'd be saved. Past wiped out. They're not experiencing it, though it's been paid for, and though it's been promised, because you've got to add the other precious thing to it. Mm -hmm. Now we get that, right? You've been nodding at me, and and I can tell. You get that. We understand that that's how that works. Right? If a sinner came to me and said, you know, I so desperately want to be saved, and I know God promised it, I'm just waiting for Him to fulfill it. I'm waiting for Him. I don't know why God has not manifested the promise of salvation in my life yet, but I'm waiting for Him. I want Him to. You would know, right, that that's not right. You would correct them. You would would tell them, right? No, 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 sweetheart. No, 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 that's not how it works. You have to confess and believe. You have to release your faith. And then it happens. Every other aspect of redemption, God has not changed His method. So think about it. Your healing, right now tonight, belongs to you. It's already been paid for. He already, his body was already broken. He already took the sickness he, upon Himself. He already paid the price. He already, Don't make me go get my whip, right? He already bled. He already suffered it. And then He has given us in His Word, what? A promise. Has He not? Glory to God. All throughout the Old, all throughout the New Testament, we have healing promises. Psalm 103, verse 2, David said to himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, don't forget all His benefits who has forgiven all your sins, all your iniquities, and has healed all your diseases. That's one of the healing promises. How come I'm not healed then? People ask me that all the time. If it's mine, if it belongs to me, how come I'm still sick? That's like the sinner saying... Why won't God save me? I want Him to. He paid for it. He promised. Why am I not saved? No, you would tell them, no honey, you have to receive it. What do you mean receive it? Receive it by faith. The healing part of the redemption comes the same way. Your healing has been given to you in the form of a promise. And it's precious. Isn't it? It's precious but you have to add the other precious ingredient to actually partake of the healing cheesecake. Are you with me? And if you don't, the promise lies dormant. See, the promise is unto all the seed. The Bible says about uh, our covenant in Abraham. The promise is to all the seed. We are the seed of Abraham in Christ. So the blessing of God that brings wealth and finances belongs to all of Abraham's seed in the form of a promise. Well, I'm sure waiting on him to bless me then. I don't understand why he does. I tithe twice. You hear this kind of thing. And we don't get this. Every, every blessing. I'm being redundant on purpose. Are you getting it? Your prosperity has been given to you in the form of a promise. And it's precious. And it's through that promise that we partake of God's divine nature, which which is blessed beyond your wildest imagination. But you and I must do our part, and our part is faith. You could write this down. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Paul said, for all of the promises. How many of them? All, all them. of the promises of God are... Yes. Come on. Maybe. It's not... You know, one of my favorite answers to my kids used to be, maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. I've got wiggle room by saying maybe. Does this verse say maybe? For all of the promises of God to Russell are maybe. No, thank God. It says for all of the promises of God. Does that that include the healing promises? The peace promises? The joy promises? Come on, the prosperity promises? All of the promises of God in Him, meaning in Christ, are yes and in Him amen. Unto the glory of God by us. What does amen mean? So be it. So God has already spoken. All my promises to all my children are two things. Yes, and so be it, sweetie. So when symptoms are attacking your body, you need to remember this. What is God saying about your desire to be well? Yes, so be it. What did He tell the leper? The leper said, Lord, I know, I know you're, if you were, I know you could heal me. But what I don't know is if you're willing. The Bible says immediately Jesus touched him. You know, leper seems contagious. He touched him. Y'all get that? He wasn't afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid of physical contact. Being this close to some. You know, and that, you're talking about a disease back then. We can cure it today with a pill. But back then, your ear would fall off, your nose would fall off, your limbs would fall off. And Jesus said, I don't, Man, praise God. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I am willing. And he was healed right then. Notice what unlocked his faith. Jesus answered his one question. He said, I am willing. Be thou cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Will God heal today? Unless the Bible's going to fall apart and become trash, we ought to just put it in the shredder. If he healed that leper, he'd have to heal you. Otherwise, he is a respecter of persons. And the Bible says at least twice about God that he's not. So all things being equal, if he'd heal that leper, and he did, and he's not willing to heal Barbara, then he lied. I said he lied. He's a respecter of persons. Shredder, First round's on me. You know where I'm going. Hallelujah. I looked up the word, y'all okay? Glory to God. I looked up the word promise. You know, you think you know what things mean. Uh, According to the Strong's Greek concordance, the first word used to describe promise is a legal summons. A legal summons, or it's to be thought of as a promissory note. It's not just something verbal. A promise is a pledge. When you study Dr. Vine's dictionary of the Greek word, it means a promise is an undertaking to do or to give something. Amen? In Ephesians 2.12, Paul called the New Testament the covenants of promise. Amen? But my favorite is Noah Webster. His 1828 dictionary says this about a promise. A promise is a declaration, written or verbal, made by one person to another, which binds the person who makes it. The person who promises is bound. Hallelujah. So it's a declaration, a written or verbal one, made by one person to another, which binds the person... Who makes it? He's bound by either honor or conscience or even law to fulfill that promise. Well, listen. Is God honorable? Is God going to have His holy conscience violated by not keeping His Word to His children? And Are His promises under the force of law? Oh, you bet they are. The highest law that there is known to human beings. A blood covenant. We're not talking about a notary public. We're talking about blood. And we're not talking about any blood. We're not talking about the blood of a bull, or a dove, or a goat, or even a human. We're talking about the blood of God's own Son. I I want you to get this idea of the strength of God's promise. Amen. So, it's, it must be kept either because of honor, conscience, or even law, to do a certain act that is specified. It is, I like this, here's the other side of the promise. It is a declaration that gives the person who receives it the right to expect it. Amen. Or the right to, to claim the performance of the act. Woo, Glory. So, the one who promises is bound. And the one who receives the promises has now got the right to expect that promise to be performed. You know what we call that? Faith. That's what we call faith. Faith is me expecting God to perform what He promised in my life. That's all it is. In the face of whatever we're seeing, I don't care what it looks like, I don't care what my body feels like, I don't care how big the stack of bill is. My God said, He promised me that He would supply how much? All of my needs according to His, not my pocketbook, His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He promised it. He promised it. Come on, He promised. He is bound. By honor, by conscience, by divine law. I have a right, you have a right to expect our Father to perform. What did Mary say? The angel said, the power of the Most High is going to come on you and overshadow you and you shall have a son, even though you don't know a man. You know what Mary said? There shall be a performance. There shall be a performance of the thing that God has told me. What do we call that? Faith. That was Mary's faith speaking. Woo, glory to God. You need to see this kind of thing makes me want to get in my Bible and find out what is in there. You remember the story about my leg, right? And take take remember all the way to the end of that story, the day that I released my faith, that faith came up out of me. Remember what I said? I said, God, here's what you're going to do. And when I said that, my mind goes, shouldn't talk to God like that, but that's the way it came out of me. And then I said, if you did not want me to expect you to heal me right now, you should not have written it down for me to read. So here's what you're going to do. I'm not taking the medicine, I'm not taking the crutches or the ice packs. I'm going to stand up and you are going to heal me. You know, I didn't get spanked. God didn't send me to the corner. He didn't say, how disrespectful. You know what He did? He healed me. I found out that kind of approach. Now, you can't do that out of your head and copycat me. I had been feeding on the promise of God for two weeks. Building that in. And it just came out of me. Faith will just come out of you. You put faith in, that's what's going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. And in my mind, I'm sitting here going, man, you shouldn't talk to God like that. But I walked off healed that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's because, see, God gave me something exceedingly great and precious. Yeah. The promise of healing. I mixed my faith with it, yeah. which is also precious. Yeah. Yeah. And I got it. Yeah. I, I became a partaker of the divine nature of God, which is life and health. And I escaped the corruption that was in the world that's sickness, disease, weakness, and pain. Yeah. And I did it how? Through through the promises of God. By having faith in the promises. And it doesn't matter what you need from God. He's given you a promise. And it's up to you to mix faith with it. Now, mixing mental agreement won't get it done. You understand that? Going, yeah, yeah, amen, I agree. Pastor, that's not faith. That's not faith. But you taking that word, planting it in your heart, washing it, you know, watering it, nourishing it until it springs forth and grows and produces the faith harvest. That's faith. Hallelujah. You got time to go to another place here? <clears throat> go to, uh, oh my goodness. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Glory to God. See, can I just tell you that getting to come to a place like this and to hear what you're hearing is a precious thing. Because most churches aren't preaching this. That's because, it's not because they're bad people, it's because they don't know most preachers out there are graduates of cemeteries, seminaries. I was right the first time. And people with PhDs, post-hole diggers, right? Told them, these precious little Bible students, that healing's passed away, that God's not performing miracles anymore, that tongues and the gifts of the Spirit are no more. And they swallow that. They put them in churches and they get up and repeat it. And the people believe it. And there are, there's no power. There's no life. There's no faith. There's no victory. And so they act like the world and shut the churches down because the world's got a cold. Come on. I'm not shutting the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which He purchased with His own blood, down because the world is having a cold. We're going to open up our doors and say, come. Come to the great physician. Come and get in on the covenants of promise. We have a covenant of healing and health. Exodus 15, 26 says, if you'll serve the Lord your God with gladness of heart. Amen. Actually, that's not the 15th, it's 23rd, Exodus 23. He said, I'll bless your food. I'll bless your water and I'll take sickness out of your midst. Exodus 15, 26 says, If you'll serve me and look to me, I'm paraphrasing, I'll be your God, for I am the Lord. He said, I will not allow the diseases that came upon Egypt to come upon you. I won't allow it. Come on, I like that. Thank you, Father. My Father is up there saying, I will not allow the coronavirus to come on my people. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, I understand the Leesor translation, L-E-E-S-O-R translation of that scripture, Exodus 15, 26, I think, says that God said, For I am the Lord that maketh you immune to diseases. Don't you like that? But see, if you're not in on the covenant, if you're not in on the family, or even if you're in the family, but you don't know that's in there, you're not mixing your faith with it then your experience is going to be like every other person out there. And that's why you get Christians in the gym locker room going, yeah, whatever comes along, I'm going to get it. And I thought, fool, fool. I didn't say fool, fool. But I thought, fool, fool. Because God heard what you just said. And when he gets the flu, he'll go around and say, see, I told you so. Listen, I'm not, trying, I'm not endeavoring to be critical. There was a day in my life I didn't know this either. But this is why, listen, instead of cowering in a cave, you need to get out there and tell people. Share Jesus right now, okay? Get out there and sh- Can I get an amen, Kamala? Come, I didn't hear you. Okay, thank you. Supposed to be an evangelist back there. That's supposed to light his fire, but anyway. Galatians 3 verse 5. Paul asks these Christians a question. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. Now notice he's going to ask them, how does he do it? What's his method? Does he do it by the works of the law? In other words, you've got to earn it. You've got to work for it. You've got to be good enough. No, that's not right. Or by the hearing of faith. What's the answer? This is, notice he's saying, he's reminding them by asking a question, here's how God does things. Not by you striving, not by you earning, not trying for you to be good enough, but God ministers the Holy Ghost to you, and He works miracles for you. How? What's His method? By hearing the hearing of faith. In other words, He works miracles among you by making you to hear something, that's going to bring faith to your heart. Not fear to your heart. Faith to your heart. And when faith arises in your heart because of what you hear, you receive the Holy Ghost. in all that He has to bring. Peace, joy, comfort. Right? Power. A prayer language. And then He works miracles. But notice Paul is highlighting for us, this is how God works. Preachers are supposed to be out proclaiming the promises. And we proclaim the promises so that you can mix your faith with it. Because you don't get to individually, Trevor, Kevin, or Karen, Tamara, you don't individually get to partake of the promises until you individually mix your faith with them. But the moment you do, Mmm, the cheesecake is so good. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. All right. Look at verse six. The first two words of verse six are even as. Even as. He's now going to point to someone. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, so he points to Abraham. Well,. What is He wanting us to see in Abraham's life? God shows up one day to a man named Abraham, and He says, I have made you the father of many nations. And if I was Abraham, I would be going, sure doesn't look like that to me. My wife's barren. Something's wrong with my body. We're old. We don't have one kid. We have not had one kid. And you're, you have... Made me the father of many nations. You know what God did by saying that to him? Here's my promise. This is how God rolls. He's going to give you a promise and then he's going to require that you believe it. You don't believe it, you don't get the goodies. You just don't. It's like having a safe, and man, you know, there are diamonds behind there, there are stacks of cash behind there. And the safe is mine by inheritance, but I don't know the combination. Well, the safe is the promises of God, and your faith is the combination. What good is it for the safe to be legally yours and all the contents if you can't access it? All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, but you have to access them with your faith. Hallelujah. Oh, I I just don't have time to go to that next level. Glory to God. But he says, even as... So Abraham, what he did, you could go to Romans 4. That's where I would be going next. Maybe we'll pick it up next time. That's where I'd be going, because in Romans, Paul gives into great detail about what Abraham did to become the father of many nations, which he is today. Hallelujah. You know, Abraham's got kids all over the planet today. You're one of them. But it took 25 years for that promise to be made manifest, for the first kid to be born. You think of all that you'd have to face I'm past childbearing age now. Now it's 25 years later. It's more impossible now than it was when God gave me the promise. But he had to not consider his own body. He had to not stumble or stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But he had to hold to that promise by hook or crook. He had to hold by that. He had to hold to the promise of God, no matter what he felt like in his body, how much time had passed. Are you with me? A lot of people give up. They think, well, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Who said? We're talking about the ages of ages, the ancient of days. You know, he's been around for a while. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Abraham believed God's promise. That's all he had. But that promise mixed with his faith was enough to heal his wife's body and his body. And produce a miracle son. And God's in closing my statement here is, God's promise to you and your faith in it is enough to get done whatever it is you're needing to get done. Live healthy, live strong, be healed. Walk in prosperity. Walk in all the blessings of God. Amen? So I would just encourage you, turn your news off. Focus up on the promise of God. Mix your faith with the promise of God and enjoy it. Begin to go out to work as a partaker of the divine nature. Not a scared sinner. And then don't be haughty about it, but tell people about the wonderful Jesus you have and the great Father you have and the covenant that you have. And tell them if if they'll listen to you. How to enter into it. Amen? Well, you could stand up on your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Thank God for the faith life, right?